Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Are you talking to me? Are you? You talking to me, Adam Knox? One of the hosts of this show called Are You Talking To Me? <laughs> the other host being Ben Vanell over there. I am about to start talking to you, so you're a bit preemptive, but I am currently talking to you, the listener. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Well, I'll get out of here then. Uh, now, listeners, I'm going to warn you now. I'm about to start talking to Adam Knox. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it might prompt a question from him. That you might find in the title of the show. So, Knox, how are you doing? Good. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely don't understand what. Oh, are you talking? Oh, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fucking hell. I, well, I'm doing well. What am I going to lie yeah. about it? No. Uh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling a little bit more in the future than I was before. We've yes. started the second season yeah. this week. Yes. And shit is kicking up in intensity. That's it. But before we, we talk about the second season, which I'm very excited to do because I loved this first episode, let's uh, reflect a little bit on the first season. We kind of barreled through it in a way and, and had not much time to even really like talk about it or absorb it that much because we were so busy. Not but, as a whole, kind mm, of, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, let's, let's turn a bit of the, the first, the part of this episode talking about that, that first season. And I thought a, a good way to kick it off would be to respond to a question from one of our listeners. You thought wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Thomas asked us, or he, he says first, people always talk about how Game of Thrones subverts expectations besides poor old. And I assume that if you're listening, you've listened to the first we have to assume that everyone is yeah. up to at least the episode that's in the title of each yes. of these. Yes, uh, uh, Besides poor old Dead Ned, what were some of the things that surprised you about season one? Um, which is a, a good question. Mm. Thanks, Thomas. Um, I was thinking about uh, this today. I feel like um, obviously Ned getting killed is the biggest one um, in terms of like a the medium and the structure and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, but having watched it again, it doesn't, it's, it makes sense within the context of the show. It's not a shock. I don't think. I mean, it is in the, like, or maybe it is a shock, but it's not surprising. Does that make sense? It, it It's not unearned. I think is, I guess the thing it, like, hmm. it, it's not, this crazy coincidence or some yeah. ridiculous thing that happens like a comet hits that changes everybody's yeah. perspective on what's happening. It's just because, oh, right, Joffrey's a fucking lunatic yes. and he's made, he's a child as well and he's made this decision. So it all, all the puzzle pieces fit. It just you don't see it go in there because most things wouldn't let it go that far. Sure, yes. You, you expect the hero to have a last-minute, you know, stay of execution, some kind of turn that actually... 
yeah. means they're victorious, but it just doesn't happen. From a storytelling point of view, that's probably the, the most surprising thing I've seen in the first season. Mm. I think the thing that surprised me the most was less that and more just the grottiness of a lot of the characters and that sort mm. of stuff was uncovered. Like the, the just the weirdness of like there's this incest that's a major part of the story yep. here. Yep. This creepy kid sucking on his mum's tit when he's 20 yep. or however old he is. <laughs> yeah. And like all that sort of stuff was, I think, the thing that was very um, surprising in a, and again, just a genre defying way. Yeah. Um, I think stuff like, and stuff that I forgot, like Littlefinger owning a brothel. Like yeah. that's his job. He owns a brothel and he's on the council of the king. Like. And, then, and then they're not like these like hand grubbly. <laughs> I can't think of how to describe this. I you know when someone's going all grubbly with their hands? <laughs> you mean like like conniving and scheming yeah, and like, stuff? Bleh. They're yeah. not like the typical kind of fantasy villains who are like off, you know, being all slimy. Yes. But they're respected people who hold, hold high office and rightly so yep. sometimes in these, you know what I mean? Like, sure. I think that was the sort of stuff that I kind of enjoyed that is um, genre defying, but more real world based as well. That's the other thing. That's what I was going to mention when you started yeah, talking about the incest and all that kind of stuff. It's like, well, that is based in history. A lot of people talk about this, this is inspired by, I think, the War of the Roses. And like several other things kind of combined. I'm not sure exactly what it is. Yeah, but, but th- this is, it's... W- one of the more accurate depictions of medieval history in a way yeah. in terms of, yeah, the, the day-to-day stuff that happened, yeah. Um, which, yeah, I, 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 it is why it's so compelling, I think. It's, totally. It's, it's that realism combined with the, yeah, the genre-bending story stuff, which is, yeah, is just fantastic. Yeah. In terms of the plot of the first series, I guess Littlefinger betraying Ned also is a bit of a surprise. Mm-hmm. And them capturing Jamie, I suppose, is a bit like, oh, okay, now he's just kind of fucked. Yeah, I do remember, I think, the first time I watched it, the moment that they ride out of the trees and they've got Jamie there with them, mm. that, was a, that was a huge surprise. Because yeah. it's, it's sort of less um, uh, built up than the Ned thing. Because yeah. it's kind of like, well, there's some men over here and some mummies over here and uh, that's all the context we have. And yeah. then it's like, boom, we did this. It's slightly less earned, maybe. And, and things just move and they have consequences, I think, is the thing as well. Like, mm. it, nothing resets at all. It all follows forward. So. Yeah. But in terms of, like, Ned dying is really the only big plot thing that yeah. is uh, un- or noticeably unusual yeah. from other things. I've, to, to my mind, about the first season, I can't really... Re- but, but then it's the world around it that I was like, oh, wow, they're, they're not pulling any punches. I remember being... Um, very surprised at the time that the White Walker stuff was just at the start of the season. Sure, I really thought that was going to be something that that was more of a, an element in in that first season. I guess that's another thing about it is the scale of it, mm. and in like the the scale of time that they're willing to tell this story over that is very rare. I as think well. we've and we won't really talk about this now, but we've noticed rewatching it how many threads that are woven back in in yeah. like five years are started now and more so than even other shows that have a similar structure like breaking bad or whatever that mm. have had like technically it's whole one long story yeah 
there's still several points during almost all of those shows where they could have jumped out because they're worried about being cancelled. You know what yes. I mean? Like it's. I, I think it's it's probably because there were a bunch of books already. Like Breaking yeah, Bad, I, so. I actually I, I'm pretty sure Vince Gilligan has said for at least a couple of those seasons they just wrote them as seasons. Yeah, they just had a season long arc. They didn't plan beyond the it, one so. where the fucking plane explodes. Yep. That stuff was silly. <laughs> yeah, but even some of the the other kind of middle seasons, they were like, well, here's the season arc. Yeah, we will have a cliffhanger maybe, but we haven't written beyond. That. Whereas this, obviously, there's books and books and books of, of source material yeah. where they can go, and not the end, but they can go, well, we know this is going to circle back around at some point. And so they just lay it out there, whether you know the backstory or not, they don't really care. And before this, I believe they'd already talked to George Martin about what the end was and already knew that, the showrunners. I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The uh, the Davids. Yes. Yes. Benioff and Weiss. Um so there, uh, there's a Benny often wise. Very good. There's an article that you sent me a couple of weeks ago that you did not end up reading. No, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a. It was basically a collection of critical response to the first season of Game of Thrones. Yeah, um, and I've just kind of summarized it a little bit. Um, basically. The Wall Street Journal thought it was basic, like it was just titillation for adolescent boys, just a mm. bunch of blood and guts and nudity, and right. didn't seem to see much deeper stuff going on there. I could see how someone might come to that conclusion. I think it's a very surface level, ironically, interpretation of it. Like, yeah, that that is doing like to say like, oh, it's just this, and it's only, it's all very. Uh, shallow yeah. is a very shallow interpretation of it. Yes. Um, I don't know how you can watch the first episode from beginning to end and have that interpretation, personally. Yeah, I like... I, it, it's, it's, it is hard to see in retrospect mm. because I can't remove the part of my brain that knows what happens. Yeah. Much as I've tried, <laughs> I've gotten up my nose with a long one of them long pokers. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. And it did nothing. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Wall Street Journal thought it was shallow. Boston Journal, Washington Post, and Orlando Sentinel all criticized Wait, it. Is that Orlando Bloom's brother? That makes no sense. <laughs> no, no, it's Orlando Jones's brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, they called it confusing, and they called it uh, unemotional. Okay, which I, confusing? Definitely, I, I could. I'm, I'm more. Uh, yeah, I can more understand that that criticism. There's a lot going on, and a lot of it is initially just. Just plot. Just plot yeah. and set up. And you know what? A lot of the characters are, by nature of their positions in life, have spent years and years trying to remove their emotions from being in control of them. You know? Yes. Like, yeah. A lot of these people have to follow these protocols and, and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, the, the emotion isn't, like, showy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it starts with Ned executing that you know, deserter mm. and forcing his son to watch it, which is a very like masculine shut off your emotions thing to do. Yeah. But I guess what we know is the the show reveals greater depths of emotions in all of the characters. Completely. You but see like, that scene of Tywin and, and Jamie interacting mm. for the first time you see him interact and that is like a really well done portrayal of those two characters, and that is all emotion in that scene. Totally, yes. but it is deliberately suppressed and hidden. Yeah, to both of them. Yeah, Tywin um, is a calculating man, but 
but he is motivated by yeah the emotions he feels for his family, for his own reputation, yeah. the arrogance, you know that kind of stuff. It all ties into who you are as a person. And you see him and Tyrion interact as well, and, you, and yep. you can tell that he does regret certain parts of his life. You know, yeah. there's the, it's all you got to maybe I don't know if if the, if, if I, I think you've got to try and read between the lines a little bit, and sure. I don't, I, and I don't think that's inventing imagined emotion for these people. Not at all. I think it's just not made evident in a soap opera type way. Uh, yeah, I think even myself as someone who was into fantasy, you know, literature and stuff, I didn't expect the level of depth that this show was going to have at all. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, cool, dragons and stuff. Yeah, that'll be interesting. And then it turns out it's like House of Cards. but And it's dragons. all it is. It's yeah. it, like that's why it's resonated with people so much. Totally. Because it's all about very complicated and uh, realistic portrayals of relationships mm. between very uh, broken and complicated people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There was one more, I think, uh, oh, yeah, the New York Times. So they were like, oh, it's climate change. That's right. uh, cool, yeah, North, it's cold climate change, which uh, is an interesting, it's a more interesting um, interpretation than the others, I think, of, of putting that analogy onto it. Yeah. Um, but they, nature. Uh, uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Broadly just nature. Yes, yeah. The futility of human resistance to, to greater powers. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but they also said, I thought this was way off, that the sex, the nudity, and the romance was all for female viewers. Like they literally said, and it was a, it was a female critic who wrote it. Was like they've put all of this stuff in to to hook in the ladies, right? Which I don't I don't get at all. Because like you use the word soap opera, but I don't think it's it's soap opera. It's it's like a there's a perception of bravado, sort of like um, machismo to. Mm. Uh, fantasy stuff in general, right? And I, I, I don't know if having an unnecessary titten there is what makes women go like, "Oh, okay, yeah." But also, I am not a woman, <laughs> and yeah. So I don't necessarily like definitely having complicated emotional relationships between interesting characters is something that I think draws in every person. Yeah, yeah. I would say that that is more the thing that has made people... Like, people don't yeah. go like, oh, well, my favourite character is Roz. They go, oh, it's Catelyn or whatever, you know? Yes. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, get, I think all of these, these, these critical responses are coming from a, a, a set of people with preconceived notions of what it was going to be. Totally. And it took about a year or two for those to fall away and to be more invested in what it actually is. And so what a fucking bold foot forward to put to have your show be something where you're like, no, we're not going to change it up to not become the the punching bag of some article mm-hmm. that wants to find an article about, uh, find, find an angle about this show. Yeah. To, to just go like, no, we're fully formed already and you'll get it in time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which a lot of the great shows do. Uh, Deadwood does that. The Wire does that. And Breaking Bad again did Breaking that. Ba- yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, the only two shows I've ever seen are Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones. That's what I've gathered from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything else you wanted to say about season one? Um, not especially that won't be relevant in talking about the first episode of season two. Fair enough. Uh, well, do you want to drive the recap? Yeah, that's what we're going to do. Episode one, Season 2, Episode 1 of Game of Thrones, entitled The North Remembers. Okay. Well, that's just a direction. How can that remember anything? 
Uh, it's my, it's a Family Guy joke, man. Do you oh, get it? Do you remember shit. this? <laughs> Family Guy is the third show I've seen. I'm the worst person in the world. Mm. So we open up with uh, the Hound wearing his dumb helmet again. Yep. Uh, him and a, some guy are having a big fight on top of uh, the, the battlements in King's Landing. Yes. Um, and he knocks the guy off of the wall, big pool of blood, mm. big violent intro. And it does seem like this this scene is like people have been hearing about Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. So we're going to open up with a big fucking mace and some blood and really lay it out there. That's, that's a good point, yeah. And uh, it turns out that it's Joffrey's... Name day, which mm. is your birthday, I guess, yeah. or some time after your birthday when you get your name, something possibly. like that. Yeah, but it's a, essentially a birthday. Yeah, and he's making people fight to uh, celebrate that, and mm. everyone looks like they're not enjoying it. Yeah, except Joffrey, except Joffrey, who is wide-eyed and giddy he's, about he's it. He's bloodthirsty. So then, um, some other dude shows up, some like big fat knight. Who? Well, it's so it's a series of of duels and. Um, yeah, like the Hound wins his one. I, initially, I thought like the Hound was just killing people. Yeah, you know, right. like they were just throwing people to the Hound. <laughs> but no, it was like him versus another guy and the Hound wins. And then, yeah, it's like, all right, two more. Out you come, fellas. Fight to the death. Yeah. And so one guy comes out and he's like, all right, I'm here to do it. And then, yeah, little tubby boy. He runs up and Joffrey's like, you've been drinking, have you? And he's like, oh, I maybe have one cup or two cups of wine. Yeah. And Joffrey's like, have a third cup. Mm. Have all the cups in the world. <laughs> yeah. And he like, it's really weird because he he just goes like, have some more wine and like nods towards Meryn Trant, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. And then they immediately know like, oh, that nod means put him <laughs> on his knees and feed him an entire barrel yeah. of wine. You seven men, come out of the shadows and grab him. <laughs> like they, they have this plan clearly set up already. Yeah. But so Sansa convinces him not to do it. Yes. Is it Sansa? It is. Initially, she's like, don't, what are you doing? And Joffrey's like, hmm, you've questioned me? Yeah. And she's like, it's um, bad luck to kill someone on your name day. And then the hand's like, that's true. Yeah. Joffrey initially is like, that's just a fucking stupid northern tradition. Yeah. I don't believe in that, you weirdos. And yeah, the hand's like... Well, actually, um, no, that's a good, really good point Sansa's made. So, you know, you don't... And uh, he offers some other justification that it makes it seem like Joffrey would be dumb to not listen. Yeah. Which is very smart. And then Joffrey does the thing of going like, of course I fucking knew that. Yeah. yeah. So I make the decision not to do it because I already had that decision. Oh, and then Sansa is like, surely um, if you kill him, that's a quick death. But if you make him your fool, that's yeah. a lifetime of punishment. And so that's what he does. And he's in, like, full flight of, like, little douchebag entitled king boy mode. Yeah. Like, he is acting fucking wild. Yeah, yeah. And it's like he's super spooky about it. Yeah, he's becoming tyrannical already. Yeah. Uh, speaking of a word that sounds a bit like tyrannical, Tyrion shows up. Oh, very good. And he's swaggering in, sassing about, yeah. sashaying about yep. the place. <laughs> and uh, he... It kind of shows up and doesn't drop the I'm hand of the king now thing to Joffrey yet. Mm. He just goes like, ah, oh, my beloved nephew, and is just smarming it up. Totally. He's got Bronn walking behind him. He's got a little posse. Yeah. And he's like, hey, the cool dude's back. <laughs> and he rolls in and Joffrey's like, who's cool? What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. like, it, it works. And they uh, wander off to the small council mm. who uh, they've been talking about how Winter's officially shown up. Yeah. There's the a white raven yes. there. Yeah. They've got enough food for five years. 
And if it goes for longer than five years, the winter, then whatever. They'll have fewer peasants. Exactly, yeah. They're kind of going back and forth. Like, what can we do? What should we change? The people want to come in. Refugees, are we turning them away? And yeah, the conclusion that Cersei draws is like, look, King's Landing is for us. The peasants can fuck off. Yeah, they should be in a field of cunts. Yes, yeah. And so they, uh, and this is kind of the confirmation thing of that thing that's been sort of obvious but not explicitly said that winters and summers last for a very long time yeah yes uh so Tyrion shows up and he's like yeah i'm the hand now yeah he just comes and sits at the table and cersei's like what the hell are you doing here yeah and she when she hears he's the hand is like everyone immediately leave fuck this shit i'm about to flip this (laughs) massive table yes uh she's flipping her lid over this yeah Tyrion kind of like Puts her right into place, though, and is like, yes. you have fucked up down here. You killed Ned. Stop. Yeah, and we- she's like, well, no, 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 Joffrey killed Ned. I tried to stop him, and he's like, yeah, and you failed. Yeah, and like- he's, you had three Starks down here. You had Ned, you had Arya, you had Sansa. Now you've got one because you've lost Arya as well. Yeah. So one Sansa is probably not worth one Jamie. Yes. So we're in a fucked bargaining position, and it's because of you and she kind of just goes like, Ugh, I guess. Yeah, he. I think he ends the scene. It may not be the last line, but he says like, how does it feel to be the disappointing one now? <laughs> like yeah. he really, yeah. It's He like walks in and really stakes his claim as being a powerful player down here now. Totally, totally. Which uh, is pretty cool. Yep. Like she, she says, what do you know about war? And he says, I, I know people. I know people. Yep. And he, he proceeds to demonstrate that that is true. And she doesn't have a lot to say back. And so he isn't actually technically Hand of the King. Tywin still is. Yes. But uh, Tyrion is there in his stead. Yes. Uh, yes. So, yeah, uh, Tyrion's kind of close to running King's Landing now. Speaking of running a place, mm-hmm. Bran is back in Winterfell trying to run that place. Yes. And uh, they're doing that sort of town hall meeting thing. Yes, very much uh, uh, the opposite to Joffrey. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're both young guys who have been put in charge. And Bran... He doesn't seem to be enjoying it. No, and, and the Paul Kelly's like, "This is one of your responsibilities. You got to do this." And he's he's doing it. He's sitting yeah. there when he has to. Doesn't really have a choice, but he's sitting there. Well, the, the the first guy that's there is like, "All my fucking walls are falling down. What are you going to do about it? I need someone to fix my walls. If you don't fix my walls, well, I can't say that I will definitely keep supporting your war." And then Bran is like, "Look." You swore an oath, so if you break that oath, you're in trouble. Don't break the oath. Uh, we're in charge. Yeah, what do you think those walls will fucking look like if we come around angry with you? Mm. And then they're just like, we'll give you four men. And he's like, that's enough. Yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah. Why the fuck did you come all the way here and complain about <laughs> if four people could get it done? Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, uh, Bran kind of lays the law down and it's Paul Kelly who's like, we'll just solve the problem. Don't have to go so hard on this. And Paul Kelly is clearly loyal and a pretty decent dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then uh, Bran's had a hard day and he's having a bit of a sleep and he's dreaming that he's a dog. <laughs> yes. That he's his dog. Yes. What's his dog called? Um, Bran Dog. <laughs> it's not Shaggy Dog. Uh, and it's, is it, no, Ghost is John's. Is it Summer? No, that That's was Sansa's. Sansa's. No, that was Lady. I think it oh, might be yeah. Summer. Right. Because Arya's Grey, was Grey I think it's I think it's Summer. Grey Wind is Rob's. Ah, I'm right. Pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah, cool. So anyway, he's the dog and he's looking at a comet in the sky. Mm. 
uh, and then he wakes up and is being taken down to where he was having the dream. Yeah. Down in that little um, weirwood thing. Dale. The little veil Dale. And the next morning he's on Hodor's back and they're walking around with Osha for some reason. She just seems to have been ingratiated into this group. Yes, very quickly. Again, for no apparent reason. (laughs) No, she's just kind of there. Yeah. And uh, she's telling him all about how comets mean dragons. (laughs) And Bran's like, nah, man, dragons ain't real. Yeah. Cut to a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they do. They do this thing in this episode where they keep pe- like panning up to the comet and then panning down, and it's a new scene. Yeah. Which uh, I was okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of it, it's fun the first couple of times, and the third when you're like, okay, okay, okay. But yeah, there's a big red comet in the sky. Yes. Uh, and it is, I guess, because of Daenerys's dragons, because there's that whole thing about dragons coming from the moon. Mm. So mm. I guess they're involved with space in some way. I guess so. And she's got like her 12 person calisar yeah. walking through the desert looking fucking red. Just chapped lips and They're filthy yeah. and hungry looking. The dragons aren't eating anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, "Well, what do we what do we feed them?" And she's like, "Viserys didn't know shit about dragons. I don't know what to do." Like, yeah. Oh, let me just look it up. <laughs> let me just look it up in one of the books here in this desert, yeah. you fuckheads. Yeah. My horse is dead. Yeah. The her, horse just collapses. Her present from Drogo. Yeah. Uh, yes. And uh, she cu- sends three riders out. One, they're, right, they're heading east for some reason as well. Right. Yeah, yeah, because Jorah is like, well, this is the furthest east I've ever been. Yeah, and he's like, if we head west, then the color, the first Kalasar we see will gut us. Yeah, and yeah. Like, they kind of can't go in any other direction. They're fleeing, basically. Yes. Uh, heading out east and uh, ideally... To something, to some sanctuary, and so she sends yeah. riders out like northeast, east, and southeast, right, right, to look for somewhere to go. Yeah, yeah, which uh, is a pretty precarious position to be in. Yeah, one of them is one of the guy Indiana Jones who was whipping everyone's necks for her yeah. previously, and I did not have the subtitles for that bit, <laughs> so oh, right. I don't know what they said. I assume it was like, "You've served me well." Uh, please go and help us. <laughs> she, it was all just like blood of my blood and that sort right, of stuff. Right. Like, I'm loyal to you. This is real. I'm a scout. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, so they're left in a pretty shitty situation. Yeah, they're in the desert with nothing. <laughs> like, yeah. that's how you die. That is how you die. Uh, no, I'm saying specifically, I know that that is how you die. Oh, okay. <laughs> I had a dream about it and I was a dog in the dream. Nice. So yeah, pan of the comet again and now we're at the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the uh, the the people have gone north of the wall. All of the brothers of the Night's Watch there. Yep. Uh, going through the forest, Sam's fucking fat enough that he's broken a wagon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, they reach Craster's Keep. Yes. So it's a creepy looking place. It's it's a, it's Craster's Creep. Oh my god, <laughs> Caster's Creep, yeah. Casper the Friendly Creep. <laughs> and so there's a lot of like girls around, like huddled, you know, carrying shit around and stuff. And they're like, "Oh, what's a lot of a lot of young girls here? What's the deal here?" And that one of John's friends is like, "I grew up in a place like this." Yeah, is that? And then he's... I fell on hard times. Yeah, like, come on, man, I'm that bad. <laughs> um, Ed is that guy. He's a new one. He's not yeah. Pip or Gren, the other bigger one. He's he's new guy. Yeah, right. And uh, I is they t- they tell John the story here. Sister, oh, daughter, wives. Daughter, wives. So he, it's so gross. 
He has a daughter, fucks the daughter, has another daughter. They're both his wives. He, and it's just this gross cycle. It's this of him. M- massive family of servant daughter wives. Yeah. And then John's like, so what does he do with the sons? And they kind of don't answer that, but you can imagine. Yep. He is killing them sons, I bet. Yeah, doesn't want any competition. So uh, they're all kind of bargaining with him for some fucking reason. Yeah, I'm not 100% clear. I, get, I assume it's because. It's a massive, you know, big north of the wall, and they need somewhere yeah. to stop and sleep. And he's got enough daughter wives that he kind of has a bit of a thing going there. He's got a little bit of a farm happening. Right, yes. He's got somewhere to sleep. He seems to have resources. Like, they very quickly like, yeah, give him the axe he wants, give him all this stuff. Yes. Because we kind of need whatever setup he has here yeah. as a halfway point between this and wherever we're going. And so they have a conversation about how the wildlings in several villages to the south have all gone and they've headed up north to meet up with Mance Raider. Yes. Who evidently used to be part of the Night's Watch. Yeah, yeah. Crux, this whole, all of this dialogue is Crasta basically taunting and insulting Dior and the Night's Watch. Yeah. And then, yeah, specifically like, so Mance Raider, you, your old buddy, he's, wow, he really did break the oath and become a wildling. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, like, ex, ex, exposition here. Yeah. But with him, like, just snarling exposition. Yeah. And so, yeah, the wildlings are all kind of uniting under Mance Raider's banner. The king north of the wall, I think he calls himself. I think he called, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And they're like, well, why is he doing that? Where where are they going to march? He's like, well, when you're all the way north, where the fuck do you march, mate? Yeah. East? (laughs) You could. Yeah. But you're not. You march south. You go south. They're coming for you. So this is clearly a threat. Yep. And I guess this is the fifth king in the Battle of the Five Kings thing. No, no, I found out who it was. It was okay. Balon Greyjoy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, they, that's basically what happens there. We get a bunch of creepy weirdo vibes off of Craster. Yep. And he explains what's going on with the wildlings north of the wall. Yeah, then he, he calls the, the watchmen southerners. And John yeah. is like, what, what are you oh, talking yeah. about? We're not southerners. We're, we're northmen. And Craster's like, don't let that pretty little bastard anywhere near any of my creepy daughter wives. Yeah, look at that long-haired, pretty I mean, it's little not girl. Their fault that they're creepy, I guess. But the whole situation there is creepy. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah. So he has a go at John, and then he just kind of keeps having a go at Gior and the and the Watchman, and he's just like, yeah, you want to like you want to be here. You got to go by my rules. Don't look at my daughters. Don't touch them. I'll cut your hands off. Yeah. And Gior's like, yeah, that's the that's the bargain. Yep. And then when they're outside, Joe like pushes John up against a post, and it's like, "You fucking little idiot! Yeah, keep your mouth shut, you uppity obviously. little shithead! <laughs> How do you not understand what you're doing is crook?" Yeah, yeah. So uh, then we head to a place we've not been to before. Well, what he what he says to John is, "If you want to be a leader," or he's like, "You want to be a leader?" And John's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, then you have to learn how to follow. Yeah, which is good advice. Yes, it is. Uh, and we follow the story yes. to a new location. Excellent. Uh, which I don't know if we know what it is. It's not really introduced massively in this episode. Mm. It just kind of comes out of nowhere. And there's like some like uh, effigies of what turns out to be the old gods being burned on a beach. Yes. And it's kind of like a strange ritual type thing. And as you've written, an old friar tuck motherfucker... <laughs> is really worried and he like runs up he's like we can't do this shit and yeah. he's talking to a guy there and he's like well we got to it's, Stannis says so and then yeah. you're like oh shit there's Stannis Baratheon yep 
pans over to this grizzled, angry-looking man. And he's an angry man, yeah. yeah Just a yeah. no-shit, no-nonsense type of person. I, I've really liked this scene. Yeah. I, I thought it was well shot, well acted. Like, yeah, it starts darkness on a beach with a burning effigy. That's such a great image. And so clearly Stannis is trying some shit out here. Yeah. They, they keep talking about the Lord of the Lord of Light and that the night is dark and full of terrors. It's a real cultish vibe you're getting off of this red witch woman. Yes, who is leading this um, this ritual? Uh, ritual, yeah. And so Stannis is doing some shit that is clearly new, and people seem to be with Stannis enough that they're letting it happen. Yes, but no one seems comfortable about it, really. Totally, because what we've learned about Stannis before seeing him is like he's a good soldier. He's yep. the eldest Baratheon. He has the rightful claim to the throne. Yep, he's. Uh, people seem to dislike him on a personal level. But respect him as a you know as a as a general you know as yeah. a soldier, and that's the impression is that these people are loyal soldiers who are standing around him and will just follow whatever the fuck's happening. Totally, here. totally. So this red woman who we don't really know who she is, yep. who's leading this, she is obviously in control here. Yeah, she will is kind of like well, I'm a servant of the Lord of Light and whatever, but she is leading this group of people. yeah. The, Stannis is buying into whatever this. Ha- is. However. It was done, assuming, yeah, through the subtlety of the writing and the shots and stuff, we just get the picture that she, the power dynamic is she's in charge. Yeah. And then this guy who is meant to be king is following along. He's along for the ride. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Stannis and like he's got a, this guy Davos. So, Davos, who is, uh, the, the sort of kind of appears to be second in command to him type guy. Basically. Right-hand man. Yeah. Who, again, is clearly like, I don't really like the situation here, but I like Stannis. Well, that's he. He basically says that the the Friar Tuck goes up to him and is like, "What What are you doing? You got to stop this." And, and Friar yeah. Tuck is like their maester. It seems. Yeah, to. yeah, totally. And yeah, you're right. Davos is just like, I I'm loyal to Stannis. Um, I can't do anything. Yeah, <laughs> and I wouldn't seems- anyway. So then they're sitting around a table making some war plans or whatever. Stannis is like, they suggest, "Why don't you make up with Renly? He's your brother." Mm. And he's like, I don't love him. They're writing the letter. Yes. Now. Oh, but just before this scene, the the ending to the previous one is like Stannis takes a big flaming sword and he dips it in the sand, and they're like, "Well, you're the best." Oh, right, because there's some uh, prophecy about someone with a flaming sword. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And so then they kind of filter off, and it is just the Frytuck and Davos there, and the Frytuck is like, I mean, what do you what what can't you do something? This is really bad. This is dangerous. This is heresy. This is you know. And Davos is like, well. I'm not a god-fearing man. I'm, you know, and the maester is like, you got to like get the tell the truth, get the truth out there. Like, the the truth has to be followed. And Davos is like, what is the truth? Yeah, I am a if I am a logical and rational man, I don't have any answers in this situation. Yeah, so I can't stand for anything in particular. Truth is, I'm loyal to Stannis, so whatever. Yeah, Stannis is making these decisions and continues to make some more. Like he has his mind made up. This is, I think, that little bit end of that scene tells us exactly who Davos is, and yeah. the next scene tells us exactly who Stannis is. Totally, he's like picking out the the slightest things in this letter that they're writing, going like, "He's not my beloved brother." And they're like, "It's just a nicety. You just write it in there." He's like, "But it's not the truth. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. Take it out." Yeah. 
and then uh, it, it basically he won't make any peace with Renly because he's like, fuck Renly, he's not yeah. king, and I'm not going to be nice to him if he's going to be a dick to me. That's it, and I'm not going to ally with Rob because he wants half my kingdom. Yeah, he's good, and then have him be the fucking North King. Yeah, fuck that cunt. Absolutely not. And Joffrey, he's a usurper. He's not yeah. a legitimate heir to the throne. I'm going to get him. And they know about the fact that he's not a Baratheon. Yes, they know that he's this incest boy. Yes, and so they say. Ned told me about it. He only told me, and that was his mistake. Tell everyone. Yes. Send out ravens everywhere and spread this goss. Yep, from the from the, the wall to the eerie or whatever. Everywhere. Yep. Then we have a weird scene where they cut to an episode of TMZ, <laughs> and the, they're talking about it with those big cups of drink. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> How the queen fucked her brother. Oh, God. Uh, or the queen regent, I guess. Mm-hmm. So then Fry Tuck is like, I'm going rogue. Yep, I'm going all out. I'm going all or nothing. This red woman's f- fucked it for us here. I don't like her, so I'm going to poison her. Yeah. So he gets some wine. He's like, how about we all just quite nondescriptly, and um, this is definitely not strange or suspicious, <laughs> Yeah. have a glass of my wine and just you. I think Davos is like, dude, Yeah. you know what you're doing here. Come on. And he's like, ah. I know what I'm doing here. Come on. <laughs> so he walks out, he poisons the wine, walks over, and he takes a sip being like, it's friendly wine, see? Yeah. Immediately his nose starts bleeding yeah. and he's fucked. Yeah. And then she drinks the entire cup of it and nothing happens to her. Totally. Fry Tuck's dead and she's like, well, I'm the best. <laughs> she says some quip at the end of it. I can't remember what it was. Uh, yeah. It's something to do with like... The Lord of Light protects his servants and something like that. And Some then crazy the, thing. The, she's got a, a very noticeably glowing red necklace on. Right. And it kind of focuses on the jewel of that. So clearly she's under some kind of magical protection. She's got some scary magic and seems to be a, 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 a bit of a danger to Stannis and them. Which, like, in that first scene, we're like, okay, she's got him wrapped around her finger. She's in charge. This sounds like a cult. And, yeah. and the next scene we go like, oh... That's true, and it has actual magical powers. Yeah, she's legitimately powerful. <laughs> yeah. And Stannis, you can see why he would just have an all-or-nothing approach to this and go, like, she's powerful, I'm going to use it to get my kingdom. Absolutely. Uh, so then we head over to uh, Rob's camp. Yep. Looking quite big. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Rob and Jamie have a bit of a back and forth in Jamie's cage he's tied up in. Just a general, like, I still hate you. Yeah, well, I still hate you. Yep. Um, Jamie's like, oh, you're a you're a boy, and Rob's like, well, it must be insulting for you that you were beaten by a boy and captured by a boy, and maybe you're gonna get killed by a boy. Boy got a big dog here, <laughs> yeah. And we see Rob's here big boy. dog, and it is a big ass dog. Yep, it 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 does look bigger than a normal dog at this point. Yep, looks quite big. It's a big ass dire wolf. Yeah, and uh, yeah, nothing really much happens. But just, it's a, just a lot of posturing and yeah. and um. And yeah. a lot of justifying why he's still there. like, we're not going to trade you. We're going to keep you. Think I trust you? Anything that you do? Yeah, I fucking hate you, man. And uh, Jamie's, uh, you know, like, who do you think you are? Like, you, you're just, you're a kid. You've won three battles. That's that doesn't make a, you know, a conqueror. And Rob says, well, it's better than three defeats, which yeah. is fair. But also, Rob is getting very big for his boots. Yeah, justifiably, but. You know, you don't want to overextend yourself in the Game of Thrones. Totally. Um, 
Then we go back over to King's Landing, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Shay is now there with Tyrion. Yeah, just a little scene here with those two. Saying about how she likes the smell of shit and cum. And garlic, I thought, <laughs> was an odd one to throw in, but sure. Yeah, fuck garlic as well. But um, So she likes the city, basically. She's there, and he's like, you got to stay hidden, remember? Dad didn't want you here. And she's like, whatever. He, oh, yeah. I'm loving it here. Yeah. Um, and then Cersei and Littlefinger... Talking about uh, finding Arya, yes, in the courtyard. Yeah, I like this scene. This is good. Got a bit of a guard with her. Yep. And uh, Littlefinger's like, "You forget one thing. Knowledge. Oh, that's <laughs> that's Jorah. Yeah, hold on. You you, for, you forget you forget one you thing. thing. You forget. One He's got a little thing. bit of like a Irish Welsh. Yeah, tinge I there. can't do his voice at all. Yeah, or any voice. <laughs> this has all been a computer text to speech. But yeah, uh, Cersei's like, you need to get all your little grubs to find Arya. We yes. need her. And he's like, oh, maybe I don't want to. Yeah, maybe my little grubs have heard a few other stories. Yeah. Like about how a certain uh, royal couple, uh, yeah, brother and sister, like he, he... Very thinly veiled thing about like certain oh, families can... Sorry, the way it leads in is she asks him to do that and then he goes, she goes, oh, the Mockingbird, that's your own sigil, right? You made that up. That's you, right. You came from, you know... A not not an honourable family, and you, you basically made it yourself. Yeah, I uh, and then and then she says something about like um, how he loved Catelyn. Basically, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and was turned down. Yeah, and, and he says, "Well, yeah, it's all we sorts of fuck my brother, <laughs> fuck off." <laughs> He's like, "Well, that was, surely would have been an awkward situation, but another awkward situation would be if perhaps." Uh, the Queen describe, Regent. Yeah, <laughs> describe the taste of your brother's dick. <laughs> yeah. That might be awkward. Yeah, yeah. And then she's like, oh, and then he says at the end, well, at the end of the day, knowledge is power. Yeah. And she goes, guards, seize him, cut his throat. And yeah. they seize him and they're about to cut his throat. And then she's like, mm, actually, I changed my mind, stop. Yeah, and then she's like, step back three paces, turn around, do the hokey pokey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, power's power, motherfucker. Yeah. Knowledge, knowledge ain't power. Power is power. You, knowledge can gain you power, but until you have it, you just have knowledge. And I think what she kind of means is money is power, too, because everything she's done is by being the richest, pretty much. I, I yeah, always, whole family. I always had a bit of an issue with that line, power is power, because it's like, well, no, power. Power is the result of, you know, a bunch of other things. But I think her point is, unless you are in power already, you have, you know, the ability to command people to kill on sight, then all you have is knowledge or money yeah. or, you know, discipline. Like, until you have power, you don't have power. I think it says a lot about her arrogance as well to feel like she is the one with absolute power. She's got yes. power in this situation. And to not really understand that she's on just as flimsy of a... Uh, foothold as everyone else was because yep. when Ned was betrayed is because other people gave him more money, gave yeah. the, the city watch and whatever more money. Totally. That was it. That was the one moment if they had given them a little bit more, then it would have, the whole situation would have flipped again. So yes, it, power is power in the moment, but the fact that she didn't kill Littlefinger is like, well, someday you might not have those guards and he might. Yeah. So it's she's she's broken her own rule when she was talking to Ned and was like you should have taken the throne. Yeah. If you by not doing it you lost. By not getting rid of one clear adversary in the moment she's left herself open for future uh, issues. Yeah. Uh, speaking of future issues, Rob is giving terms of peace to Alton Lannister. Yeah. Who is a Lannister cousin that they have there for some reason? Yeah. I didn't really follow why he was there. I guess he was just a captive from one of the battles. Maybe. Yeah. yeah I guess so. Yeah. 
and so the the terms of peace are release his sisters. Yep. Uh, give them all the bones of the dead bodies. Yep. Of the Starks. Yep, including Ned. Uh, pretty easy so far. Yep. They do that. Yep. And then recognize the North as an independent nation. Ah, <laughs> you <laughs> fucked it on the third one, And kind of everyone there is like, wait a minute, that's a big move. Yeah, they're not going to respect these terms. And he's like, okay, then we fight him. Yes. So, we Rob. I will, <laughs> litter, down, baby. I will litter the South with Lannister dead, he says. Okay. And then I think Alton's like, well, Joffrey's a Barath- Barath- Baratheon. And he's like, well, is he really? Yeah, they're all like, yeah, yeah, mate. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I think they're all very willing to uh, go to war. They are, because they all go like, yeah, King in the North. Yeah. They all say that again, and they're like, all right, we're with you. Yeah. So Theon and Rob um, have a little chat as well, and they're like, yeah, this war's happening. <laughs> yep. You're going to need some ships if we're going to fight. Yes. My dad's got some ships. Yeah. My dad has most of the ships. He's the ship guy. <laughs> the Greyjoys love them ships. They love them. And Rob's like... I think, is it Rob who's like, well, they're kind of not our friends, so... Oh, he's just kind of like, yeah, we don't need him. I'd rather right. not have to go to him. And then him and Catelyn have a bit of an argument about that they were rebels and that they did had this rebellion that, that Ned fought them in. Yeah. But then I think Theon is like, yeah, you're a rebel. Yeah. Like, they were rebelling against the same people you are now. Oh, no, I think it is it is Rob, because it's just Rob and Catelyn. Rob's like, you've raised a couple of rebels, you know, yeah. like him and John and Ari. Like, they're all rebels. And Rob's into the idea, I guess, then, of going to the Greyjoys. Yeah, he must I be, can't really yeah. Remember. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the argument is basically like, uh, it, it's it's just tension. Totally. It's it, a it, high-pressure situation. He's, he's thinking a lot about the bigger picture and the war, and, yeah, Catelyn is like, what about... Your sisters. And he's like, it's more complicated than that. Yeah. Which is like, ugh. That is why you started this. And you don't want to be saying to your mum, oh, look, my sisters are pieces in this game of chess that I'm playing. Yeah. I can't guarantee that they will make it to the end of the game. Totally. This has gotten about him being king in the north now rather than rescuing his family, which yes. is what it started as. Yes. And so he asks Catelyn or tells Catelyn mm. to go and meet up with Renly. They knew each other when they were kids, evidently. Yeah. And he's like, if we can join with Renly, we've got no argument with Renly. I'm sure Renly would let us be the North which separately. Is, if which we is king. an assumption on yeah. his part, but it is. Uh, it, it's a fair move. And look, worth talking to him, but he sends his mother there and he's like, yeah, go do that. And yeah. she's like, okay, fucking shit. Because Renly's got a big army. He's got 100,000 people, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, which is uh, big with the numbers we're talking here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then, uh, mothers and sons have uh, favors asked of each other. Cersei mm-hmm. is asking Joffrey to send more people out to find Jamie. Yes, and he's like, "Eh, whatever. We're all at war. We're all in danger. Yeah, we don't need to find him." Yeah, and um, it's. I think it shows. It's interesting at this point to show the distinction between Cersei, who loves her family. Loves Joffrey, but loves Jamie the most, obviously. Yeah. Really, really cares about him, like the most of any, or more than anything in the world. Yeah. And is willing to to, to actually put in effort to find him and, 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 yeah, and get him back, which is not something we've seen her really care about generally in, in terms of other stuff. Like she, yeah. she's selfish, self-protective, and doesn't want to take a lot of risks, but she she's clearly willing to for Jamie. Totally. And then Joffrey, who he's their son, 
like he's part of the family. He's one of them, and he's like, I don't give a fuck. Well, because he's like, ah, my uncle Jamie, fuck him. He's rebuilding this throne room to look nicer. Like yeah. he is just going. This kingdom is my toy. Yes, and. Yeah. He then brings up the rumors that he's heard to her. He's like, yeah. "By the way, I can see why you like Jamie so much because I heard you've been fucking that man." Yeah. And then she looks a bit weird, and he's like, "And what about all these bastards I'm hearing about? Robert's bastards. Yeah. Did he go around fucking a bunch of people when he got bored with you?" And she slaps him clean across the face. Yeah. And everyone drops their tools <laughs> yes. who are building this place and has a look. Yeah. And then, like, when when. Joffrey looks up. They're all like, oh, hammer, hammer, hammer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so he is basically like, what the fuck do you think you're doing? Yeah. I am the king. That is punishable by death. Don't you ever do it again. He gives her one. Yeah. You get one free one, but like he, she clearly sees that, oh, fuck. Yeah. This cunt shouldn't be on the throne. Yep. He is out of his mind. I've created a monster. I know what he wants, wants to be. Marshall Marshall no more. They want shady. I'm chopped liver. But if you want shady, this is what I'll give you. A little bit of weed mixed with some hard liquor. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, so then, uh, yeah, we get a sex position for the episode. Yep. Roz is leading a new sex worker around the brothel in very much the same way Littlefinger was to her. Yes. She's adapted here. Yep. And then uh, the City Watch burst in yes. with uh, slimy old Janos Slint, yep. the leader of them. The guy who flipped and took the more money to basically get Ned killed. Yeah, they uh, are walking around here. Joffrey's just asked about those bastards. He yep. knows about them. Yep. And it turns out he's fucking doing something about it. Yeah. Because they come in, find the kid that we've seen from an earlier episode that Ned was asking about. Yes. Yeah, he talk, it's, the, it's the mother that yeah Ned was talking to. Yeah, and she gets dragged out with the baby, and they grab the baby, and then we it, they they kill the baby. They kill the well, fucking and so baby. the Kingsguard guy doesn't want to do it at first. Yeah, or the City Watch guy doesn't want to do it at first. I think, I think it's the Kingsguard now. I think, I don't know. Maybe it's one of the two. It's confusing. They look so similar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but so but Janosson is just like, yeah, I'll kill the fucking baby. I don't give a shit. Yeah, and he uh, pulls out a fucking dagger and ugh. And then we have like a montage of children and babies being killed around the city. Yeah. All of Robert's bastards, of which there were many. There were many, yeah. Uh, There's that one brutal shot where it's a guy holding a baby by its legs, just yeah. like walking down the alley. And pushing kids under the water. And yeah. Just, like, it's it's pretty fucked, but, you know, Joffrey isn't pulling any punches. And this is kind of what they were all nervous about with Robert even doing this. Yes, yeah. So um, they we, we go to the... Um, the blacksmith. The blacksmith where Gendry used to work and they're holding his head to the coals and being yeah. like, where is he? And he's like, I don't know, he fucked off and he's got a weird helmet. <laughs> Smash cut to weird helmet. Yeah, yeah. And Gendry on the back of this cart. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, so Gendry is appears to be the last surviving Robert Baratheon. Bastard. Technically claimed to the throne guy, I guess, in um, some way. If he's a bastard, I guess he doesn't. Stannis has more yes, of one. Yes, yeah, yeah. But they would want him to be dead. And it also happens they're looking for him and he's with Arya. Yeah, yeah. Well. And he's got uh, the second of the stupid helmets in the show. Yeah, he's got a bull one. Yeah, it uh, it does look stupid. <laughs> it looks a bit silly, but he made it himself. Well, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the episode. Yeah, yeah. It ends with them sitting on the back of a cart waiting to get to... Another good like, oh, what's going to happen? Oh, shit. Not my favourite. 
of all of them. But there's so many cogs in motion throughout this episode yes. that you want to see yeah. all of them pay off. Yes, definitely. Rob's war being the primary one. Yes, and Tyrion's being in charge, another yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Great. Well, that's season two, episode one. Yeah. Uh, any any other little bits and pieces before we go into the sealed section? Um, what are you most curious to see play out at this point? Um, I want to see where Rob goes. I want to see a battle with yeah. Rob, like because they've yep. been off screen for all of them. Yep. Um, and just Rob being quite big headed about his new role. Yep. Um, I think the yeah. Stannis stuff is. Really intriguing. Yes, yeah, there's a lot of, like, what the fuck's happening about that. Yes. Also, what's going on with Renly? He's got 100,000 people. Yeah, yeah. Renly, but we haven't seen him this season. Yes. I when Yeah, I guess Catalan is going to go over there and uh, have a chat to him. Yeah. We'll say that. That'll be cool. But, uh, yeah, I really like the Stannis stuff. I Same. think it's it's an interesting story. Same. Mm. Well, uh, if, if, if we're that interested to see it all, how about next week we do episodes two and three? I like it. Me too. Let's do it. All right. Well, uh, if you're watching for the first time, that's the we're going to go into the spoiler bit for people who've seen all the episodes now. Yep. So, um, are you talking to me pod at gmail dot com? Yes, is our email address Correct. if you want to send in some thoughts. Yep. And yeah, your homework is season two, episodes two and three. Yeah. We'll be talking about them next week. But until then, were we talking to you? <laughs> yes. Yes, we were. Yes. Yes. We, yes. And, and we'll see you next week. Now for the seal oh, yes. section. Spoiler boys. Mm-mm-mm. I don't know if I explained that that's what it was. If you're still listening, <laughs> this will have spoilers for everything for the whole show that's aired so far. Yeah. So don't listen if you're watching for the first time. It's not uh, the other half of the show of the podcast where we do the recap again as seals. It's yeah. not It's not that. <laughs> we only talk about the seals. Like, why were there no seals in this episode as well? <laughs> yeah. yeah. When are they going to show up? I swear, um, like there's gonna be there's gonna be one soon. So I see you've written down a couple notes here. Just a couple, yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot to talk because a lot of the stuff I think we've said this before, but that's happening here will fizzle out basically. Yeah. At some point, yeah. A lot of these people die or have their dreams crushed. Yes. And um, end up with other people, but at this point, you've written down Hound already into Sansa. Yes. We we know. Is it at the end of this season where the battle happens and she escapes and he helps? It would be, yeah, yeah, with the big sea battle. Yeah, I didn't. I, I unless more stuff happens between now and the end of the season, which I, it will. I don't really get why he is so endeared to her. Uh, like she's a prisoner in a situation she doesn't want to be in, which I guess he can relate to, and. Also is just actually helpless and doesn't deserve it. And I think he has a relatively well-set moral compass. Right. I think uh, maybe it's my first time viewing that is colouring this second time where I just always thought he was a, a douchebag, like a just a hard-ass dick who right. was a, a thug. Like, that's all I thought he ever was. Yeah. And maybe i i don't know why i thought that cuz he's shown he's a lot betrayed, of is that i mean he's just killing these people for who he was and if you're not really true. thinking he's kind of doing it because he has to yeah if you're thinking he's complicit in it which i think it's fair to say that he kind of is yeah. as well yeah then uh, he doesn't hate it <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. he's a bit of both yes he's a layered emotional emotionally complex character yeah i guess he is yeah so i think he sees that like kind of innocence in sansa and is like she doesn't deserve to be here fuck yeah. that yep and sees how quickly she's adapting to just being this fucking 
playing this uh, game that she's being forced to yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shay, I have no idea at this point that anything is sus. Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah. I absolutely did not. She seems like she's being a little bit careless. Yeah. But in a free-spirited way that you can see why Tyrion's into that. And in the story arc way where you assume she's going to overstep the mark, reveal who she is and get killed, and it's going to be a tragic arc for Tyrion. Yeah. But that is not what happens. No, it is not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's again a nice um, flipping of, of of expectations. That's the thing with people who are two faced, man. You can never see the other face until it's too late. What if it's just half and half on the front? No, you don't <laughs> see the face until it's stabbing you in the back. Okay, and you don't even see it then because it's behind you. <laughs> Sta- so if, you, if they, it's stabbing you in the back in front of a mirror, they, oh yeah, that's the only way. That's yeah. the only way. Yeah, but then you're seeing it in mirrored. That's so you don't true. see the real face. Why even have two faces? Just have one face and always be behind them. Yeah. That's my advice. Dude, have no faces. That's how see-through I am. Wow. I'm like, so um, honest that I don't have a face. Like, what's his name? The faceless man? Yeah. Jack him. and Hagar. <laughs> He's a faceless man. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. he is too. He literally is. Yeah, right. Um, that's me. Wow, that's an interesting commentary on being two-faced. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of being way too one-faced, Rob is getting way ahead of himself yeah. here. Is the note you've written? Yeah, he 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 is. He all, already like it's been a few a few months, a couple of months tops for this this little campaign, and he's got too much Annette in him. Yes, he's, he's just been too on. Like I'm right, so I'll win. Yes, and he, and he he hasn't, and a little arrogant. Yes, I think he's being arrogant. He hasn't. He's had three wins out of three, yeah. which means he's inexperienced and he hasn't tasted defeat yet so he doesn't know what to do in that situation and every time you see him he's with all these really grizzled war veteran bannermen that he has yeah and like okay you're leading a good army but that doesn't mean you're necessarily a good general i think it does you made a couple of good decisions yeah. there like there was some clever stuff it, he did. it just it just he has the blinkers on he yeah. he's he is looking ahead you know he's he's planning you know he's playing the game several moves ahead but he's not going to be able to He's not going to be able to foresee every move. No. So uh, I think it goes quite badly for him. Uh, I think he ultimately loses. And also, he's he's been a little Stannisy here in that he's being a soldier. Yeah. And he's not being a politician. Yes, absolutely. Like that that letter he sends them being like, "Here are my terms," is similar to Stannis's one, where it's like, "Just do whatever I want." Totally. He's not playing the game. And the only person who has any level of nuance into their thinking, Catalan, gets sent off somewhere and else. And she loves her children too much. She won't put her foot down. Yeah. She's just like, okay, I guess. She's like letting them get away with it. Yep. And Theon is just backing him up. He doesn't have anyone there to have an alternate view. Yeah. And it's, it's bad. It's going to cost him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got to go. Yeah. So uh, I think we're done. <laughs> I think so. I, ha- I had a couple of questions, but they are more general, so we can do them next week. That'd be good. perfect. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening to this episode. It's, yep. uh, it's been fun. It's a good, uh, good episode of TV. And we'll, um, yeah, we'll be back next week with two whole episodes of Game of Thrones. What the fuck? I know, it's unheard of. Holy shit. Well, we did it, <laughs> we did it before. Uh, yeah, so thank you for listening and we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.